Thing. Now, just before I dismiss the first through the third grade, I want to tell you this. Obviously, I'm not Pastor Paul, okay? I got the call, so I got the call from the minors. I'm up here in the big leagues now, so I get to run the show here for just a couple of minutes. And before I came up here, Ashlyn, my seven-year-old, gave me this, and I just want to share it with you all. She said, make sure you show this to all the people. Now, listen, I'm not getting paid for this, okay? But I'm going to sell this after the service. So if you want to put a bid on it, you let me know because this is, see, honey, I'm doing it, see? <laughs> okay. All right, the first through third grade are dismissed. So um, I guess Pastor Paul, he's got another sinus infection. From what I understand, he's at home laying with uh, the ice bag on his head. So uh, we can definitely keep him in prayer. Um, you know, as, you're, uh, as you spend the day today, but apparently he really struggles with this a lot. And uh, if you've ever gotten a headache, especially a sinus headache, you know that that can really lay you under. So don't forget to keep Pastor Paul in prayer. Um, well, I trust that you all had a good holiday and a good new year, and uh, it's great to see all of you. I know last Sunday we were digging out a little bit, so um, it's beautiful today. It's a little cold, but uh, I'm glad to see that you all came out. And um, I just want to take a, a couple of minutes and share with you some things that the Lord has laid on my heart. Um, if you haven't been in the Good News service over the past couple of weeks, I've been teaching a series on the promises of God and certain things that the Lord has revealed to us that enable us to walk by faith often as we wait for the Lord to work. Because uh, the Apostle Peter warns us that if you guys don't know this, I want to let you know trials are coming. And they sometimes take us off guard. And for, in fact, most of the time, they do take us off guard. And for some reason, when we get trials, it isn't like boom trial, boom solution, right? Life's not like that, right? Do I get an amen? Usually, when we get hit with the trial, it's here for a while. And the Lord knows that. The Lord... And the Lord tells us in his word that he understands. He says, I understand your frame. I know that you're just dust. I know that it's hard for you. I know that you don't understand. You're not me. We're not like God. You know, can we all say that? We're not like God. We're not like God. That's right. But God loves us. And he understands how he's made us. And he understands that we're just dust. And he knows that we don't see the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end like he does. And we know that we have promises in God's word that when he allows trials and difficult situations to come into our lives, he is working out a purpose. But we don't see that. When they hit, we're like, where are you? What's going on? What's happened? Take this away. Make it stop. I can't take it anymore. But in reality, the truth of the matter is this, is that a loving God has allowed a specific trial to come into your life to conform you to the image of his son. But in the process of that, he's given us very great promises that we can hold on to while we're waiting for him to work. Um, what's today? The third. On the first, I was checking my Facebook. Who's got a Facebook? Is there anybody here that doesn't even know what I'm talking about? Yeah, <laughs> I know, Dan. <laughs> okay. Well, this Facebook is this, is this networking thing on the computer where you can, you can put on there, this is what I'm thinking, this is what I'm doing right now, and everybody in the world can see it. So uh, 
I was checking it the other day, and, and, and uh, somebody here in our church put on there, it said, Welcome 2010. Uh, I hope you do better than your predecessor, or thank God your predecessor is gone. Apparently, 2009 was not the greatest year for that person. Uh, and they were left kind of like, what's going on? What's happening? I'm hoping that 2010 has some better prospects than what 2009 did. Have you ever felt like that? Yeah. Let me ask you this. Have you ever felt like maybe, maybe God has lost sight of you? And we all know that God loves us and He's a loving, He's a powerful God. But sometimes when it boils right down to us, our own personal self, and our trials, we begin to wonder, is He watching me? Is He see what's going on? Is He in control of this? Because it feels like that. And I want to share with you a verse that I saw in uh, uh, my devotions earlier this week. And uh, you don't have to turn to this. It's just one verse. We're, we're going to turn to some other things later. But I just want to share with this. In Deuteronomy eleven twelve, it says this. A land for which the Lord your God cares. Now listen to this. The eyes of the Lord your God are always. Always is a big word, isn't it? What does always mean? It means always. Right. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning even to the end of the year. Now, when I, when I read that scripture, for some reason, I don't know, the thought popped into my mind is remember, um, maybe you've done it recently, maybe you remember it from a kid, but when you go to the mall to see Santa Claus, you know, they've got the big, the big mansion there and there's the throne out front and, uh, you know, you get up on Santa's lap and you tell him what you want for Christmas. But sometimes you get there and the throne is empty. And there's a sign on there back at 1.30 or back in 20 minutes, something like that. That's not how our God is, okay? Our God is always, always on the throne. And He's okay with your questions. He's okay when you don't understand things. You know, we've been taught that, hey, we can't ask God questions, but you can. Read the book of Habakkuk. And one of the incredible things that Habakkuk brings out to us is he's asking God these questions. He's like, where are you? You've let things get away from you. You've kind of let, you, you've kind of let things slip through the cracks. And God says to Habakkuk, no, I haven't. You wouldn't believe what I... What, if I were to tell you what I was doing, you wouldn't believe it. But you need to know this. I, and this is right out of the book, I am in my holy temple reigning and ruling. And that's one of the promises that God gives us that we can walk by faith while He's waiting to work is that I am in control. The ways of a man are always before the Lord. Every day of the year. He never takes a break. He never goes on vacation. Remember the, the story of, uh, I think it's Elijah, when, when he's got the, the competition going with the prophets of Baal. And they say, hey, we're, gonna, we're each going to offer a, uh, a sacrifice, and we're going to see who the true God is. And the, the prophets of Baal are up first, and they're trying to get you know, God to rain down fire. And what's Elijah do? He's making fun of them. He's like, hey, maybe your God went on a trip. Or maybe he's asleep. Or maybe he's got something really important he's got to do. You see, the real God is always on His throne, and He's always reigning, He's always ruling, and He's always seeing exactly what's going on with you. 
And He gives us precious and great promises because He knows we don't think like God. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. We're not. Have you ever come to the point where you're like, you're God and I'm not? Because one of the things that we like is we like control. We like to feel like we have some kind of control in our lives. But you know, Marty's talking about the magician or, or the illusionist. Control is an illusion. Okay? If you don't know that, I'm breaking it to you. Okay? You are not in control. But a God that loves you is in control. And I want to look over here at 2 Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1 says this, verses 3 and 4. Seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true, true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. Now listen to this. For by these He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises in order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. All right. Now, when Peter says they are very precious and magnificent, you're not talking about a guy that read them in a book somewhere. Okay? You're not talking about a guy that went to a class and someone taught him about the precious and great promises. You're talking about a guy who has put his full weight down on the promises of God and found that they upheld him. Now, you've got to remember who Peter was. When, when we go back to when Peter first comes on the scene, he is a very rough, arrogant, hard fisherman from the docks. And as we see Peter begin to be conformed to the image of his son, we can see the progression. We know that, that Peter's a hard guy. He's a guy that's very fast. He's very impetuous. He's jumping right in. He's giving his opinion. You know, he's the guy that cuts ears off the soldiers. But you see, what's happened is over time, over time, Peter's slowed down. And now Peter's talking to the children of God, and he's like, look, you got trials coming. Don't be taken off guard by them. They are going to come. But when they come, remember this, that we have precious and magnificent promises that we can put our weight down on, and we can know that our God is always with us, He's always in control, He's always watching, and our God is always victorious. No matter who you are or where you are, or what your situation is in life, is that the eyes of the Lord are always, always on you. And that is a very precious promise. Now, I remember Chuck Swindoll said this, and I want to say it to you too. Jesus Christ makes no provision for you to live the Christian life. And you're like, I don't understand. What are you saying? Of course he does. It's not like, hey, take two Jesuses and call me in the morning. That's not the way that Jesus works. Jesus doesn't provide a way for you to live the Christian life. 
What you have to understand is this. Jesus is the Christian life. And He is the power that comes into you. I want to share with you some scripture here. Because I'm not just making this stuff up, just so you know. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, For all the promises of God are in Him. And in Him, amen, to the glory of God by us. For all the promises of God are in Him. Listen, folks, Jesus Christ is the promise of God. He's not beaming down power for you. He's not beaming down strength for you or peace for you. He is your strength. He is your power. He is your peace. And He is in you if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. But you see, here's, here's what's difficult for us. And I so appreciated Chris's um, uh, moment for missions today, uh, talking about um, the persecution that the church is and, and how Satan is very much alive and well. Uh, and he is working his plan to thwart the plans of God. Um, and ha, 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 you know what I mean? Um, like we can thwart the plans of God. But Satan is in denial that he thinks he can do that. But he is out there trying to destroy the church, trying to destroy its people, trying to steal God's glory. And, and, we, look, and we look overseas and we see the persecution that's going on in the church, the physical persecution. We really don't experience that here, do we? For the most part. I mean, sometimes you might take it on the chin for being a Christian. Someone might make fun of you. Uh, but the police aren't going to break through the door and, and uh, take our kids away or put us in prison or beat us or, or God forbid, even kill us and torture us. We're really not going to face that in this country, at least not right now. But I know Amy said something to me a couple of months ago out in the lobby here. Um, and I believe that this is true. And you, and you tell me what you think, that... In the West here, and in our culture, it seems like Satan is trying to destroy the church through relationships. Okay? Marriages are getting blown out of the water. Good marriages. Marriages that we thought nothing could touch. Good kids are walking away from the Lord. Pastors are leaving the ministries. People are fighting over the silliest things in churches and splitting over the silliest things that aren't in the Bible. And, it's, and, and I'll tell you, if you've ever been through it, emotional pain from a relationship can sometimes be ten times worse than the physical pain of somebody hitting you, right? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's true. But the plan is the same. Get your eyes off Christ, sit down, and don't be effective in the building of God's kingdom, which he's given us the command to do. But most of all, not even, that isn't even so much the problem. It's God is not good. Satan's been doing it since the very beginning of time. We know that that's what he tempted Eve to do, right? Did God really say, you know what, Eve? God's holding out on you. He doesn't want you to be smart like him. He's, he's got something hidden that he doesn't want you to know about. And you see, isn't that what sin is always really about? Sin is the ultimate pride thing. That I know better than God. I know that what will make me happier than what God says will. So I'm going to go into sin because I'm afraid I'm going to miss out on something because God's holding out on me. But you see, we know the consequences of sin is death. And when we go down that road, it destroys 
Sin destroys people. It destroys families. It destroys ministries. It destroys churches. Because we don't trust God. And when trials come into our lives, what do we want to do? We want to get control. Remember, we already covered that. It's an illusion. Who is in control? Is Satan in control? Hello? No. Sure seems like it though, doesn't it? But God is in control. And one of the things I want you to understand when it comes to our trials and our difficult situations, and I just saw this this, this week, but uh, turn with me quickly, if you would, to Psalm 39. Psalm 39 and verse 10. And you know what? you got to love David. David doesn't hold back. I mean, David is raw with the Lord. And this is, this is his prayer. Verse 10. Remove thy plague from me. Because of the opposition of thy hand, I am perishing. Okay? Here's the thing. David is realizing that the trials are coming from God. If you look at the book of Job, chapter 42 of Job, we, we, you know, Job didn't know this, but we kind of know that there's this whole thing going on between Satan and God, right? Remember at the beginning of the book? You know, hey, did you see, Job, my, did you see my man Job down there? He's doing what's right. And Satan's like, yeah, right. Well, he won't, he won't do right if you let me have Adam. And the Lord's like, okay, but you can only do this, this, and the other. We know that story. So the Bible says that Satan went out from the presence of the Lord to go to do harm to Job. And he did, didn't he? And then Satan got a second crack at him then too, didn't he? Ever feel like that? You just kind of feel like you're getting your, your breath from, from trial number one and trial number two hits you? Or am I just kidding? Am I the only one up here experiencing, are you there today? Yeah. That's life. That's life. But you see, at the end of Job, in in Job 42, it says that Job's family came to comfort Job because all of the evil that God had done to him. You see, folks, here's what you need to understand about Satan. We are not dualist. And in a dualist theology, it basically means that Satan has power, as much power as God, and the two of them are battling. That's baloney. Okay? My God is king. And he rules from his mighty throne in heaven, and he never takes a break. And Satan, listen, Satan is his servant, accomplishing his purposes. And yes, although Satan may be ultimately the one that's causing you grief in your trials, God is using Satan as his pawn to refine you into the image of his son. Okay? Peter tells us, Peter tells us that when trials come, and here, two words, really important, if necessary. Okay? If a trial comes into your life, God determined it was necessary. You know, one didn't get by him, and now he's going to fix it for you. All right? If necessary, a trial comes into your life. And Lamentations 3 says that God does not enjoy afflicting men. 
God's not in heaven getting His kicks because you lost your job. He's not getting His kicks because your daughter decided to walk away from the faith. Trials come into our lives, if necessary, for a purpose to accomplish the conforming of us to the image of Jesus Christ. Turn with me, if you would, please. Oh, before we do that, I want you to look here at... at, uh, We're still in in Psalms 39 at verse 7, and it says this, And now, Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in Thee. You see, David is acknowledging, Lord, I know the trial is coming from You, and I know the deliverance is coming from You. All right? If you live in your world and in your mind that Satan is in control that he is more powerful than God, and God can't do anything about your circumstances, you, my friend, are going to have very dark nights. And I know that this is completely foreign to us because we can't stand anything that inconveniences us even a little bit. That's why we have microwaves and and, uh, fast food and drive-up lanes. and I mean, we don't want to be inconvenienced even for a second, let alone when trials come into our lives. We spend most of our times trying to go over, around, or under the trial. Forget about through. But can we come to the point, now listen to me, can we come to the point where we actually look at our trials like David did, knowing that they're coming from the hand of God, knowing that the deliverance is coming from the hand of God, knowing that it's for a reason, if necessary, God's not getting his kicks. Can we look at them as a gift? You're nuts. I know you're thinking it. Thank, thank you, you didn't actually say it. But I'm not lying. Because God loves you. And He never takes His eyes off of you. And this trial that's in your life is not out of His control. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1, if you would please. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. And He is the radiance of His glory and the exact representation of His nature. Now listen to this. This is the key. And upholds all things by the word of His power. When He had made purification of sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He upholds all things by His Word. Do you understand the power of Jesus Christ? See, and I have to admit, for the longest time, I had a very incorrect view of Jesus Christ. You know, I had looked at Jesus kind of from the the way that I grew up and the circumstances that I went through, that He was kind of feminine. Jesus Christ is just a nice guy. He's Mr. Rogers. You know, he, he just kind of loves us. Well, that's all well and good when the sun is shining and the grass is growing and the flowers smell good. But how long does that last in life? Peter told us, get ready, babe, it's coming. If we have a view of that as Jesus Christ, we're in big trouble when trials come. Because that kind of God is not able to intervene in my life. 
that kind of God is not able to produce the strength and the power and the grace and the direction that I need when I don't know whether to turn around, sit down, or shut up. Because trials never warn us, right? They come very quickly. I just, uh, I've been watching um, a couple DVDs by Louis Giglio. Did anybody ever hear of him, Louis Giglio? Okay. Louis Giglio went on tour with Chris Tomlin in his indescribable tour. And uh, what Louis's job was is that after they had the concert, he would come up and he would, he would uh, uh, speak. And what he did was is he impressed the, those kids that were at that concert through the power of God's creation. And he talked about the planets and the stars. And, and uh, you know, he just reminded us that, you know, here we are in earth and we think that we are ultimately self-determining and we're it and it's all about us and, and our planet is, you know, really something. But there are literally billions of stars in our galaxy and there are literally billions of other galaxies. And, and the earth is so teeny tiny and you're somewhere on it. Okay. And we think that our problems are so immense that they are bigger than God and bigger than Jesus Christ. But you know what? If you go back to Genesis, we know, we know how did Jesus Christ create all the heavens? He spoke them. He spoke them. Exist. And they were there. And Isaiah tells us, Isaiah tells us that he knows where all of these billions of stars are. He hasn't lost any one of them. He hasn't misplaced any of them. He knows right where they are, and he knows them by name. Isaiah also tells us, so stop saying that my ways are hidden from the Lord. Just stop saying that. If God knows where every billion stars are, he knows where you are. And your ways are ever before Him. And if necessary, trials will come. And they will stay for the allotted amount of time until His purposes are accomplished. And then guess what? He's going to speak the Word and they're gone. Okay? That's a precious promise. That's a precious promise. People are not in control. Satan is not in control. God is in control. Satan is his servant. But again, God does not say that he provides any provision for the the Christian life. He is the Christian life. And if we have the wrong perspective of who Jesus Christ is, we're not going to get that. Revelation 19, 11 through 13 says this. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon it was called Faithful and True. That's who your God is, Faithful and True. Have you ever had a relationship where there was lies and unfaithfulness? Not our God. And in righteousness doth he judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. That's who Jesus Christ is. He is a mighty warrior. 
and he loves you. And if you can't get Jesus Christ and put both of those things together, that he is so fierce and so powerful and so mighty and so in love with you. Turn with me to Romans 8. We're going to talk about his love. This is, I want to make sure I say this right, Caleb, so you watch me. The the summa cum laude. I think I hit it, didn't I? Okay, all right. This is the summa cum laude of promises. Romans 8, verse 28. We're going to start and read to verse 39. And I love this. And we know, and we know, that's different, and it's not saying, and we're hoping, and boy, I'd sure like this to be. It says, and we know. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For whom He foreknow, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. See, He's revealing His purpose for you. He's conforming you to the image of His Son. In whom he predestined, these things, these he also called. In whom he called, he also justified. In whom he justified, he also glorified. Now here we go. We're going to hear the crescendo start to come here. Verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? These things. If God is for us, who can be against us? Will you hear the cymbal clang on that one? Verse 32. Let's do this one slowly. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus, it is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised who is at the right hand of God, now listen, who intercedes for you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for thy sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered a sheep for the slaughter. Here it comes. Here comes the crescendo. But in all things, we are overwhelmingly more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, here's Paul. He's learned some things. For I am convinced, he's been through some things now. He's come to some conclusions that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Folks, yeah, that's the gospel. Okay? He didn't spare his own son for you. Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ was given the responsibility for creation. It was by His Word that everything came into being. Through His might and through His power and through His majesty. And He humbled Himself and became one of us. And He came and He took the penalty for the crap that you did. And He hung on a cross and He took that penalty. 
And if he did that for us, how can we even begin to doubt his goodness and his love for us and the promise that he will freely give us all things, everything that we need taken care of, you are not going to be destroyed. At the end of your life, you are going to be the oak with the roots down deep. Because Jesus says, I am, and Paul says, I am confident of this very thing, that he, Jesus, which has begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's not going to quit on you. He's not going to give up. You keep saying, I keep sinning and I don't want to. Jesus is going to give up on me. No. That would go against everything about Jesus that we know. That would go against his nature and his promises. He's going to continue working on you, bringing you into conformity of his son. And that's a promise. Okay? But it's like Bill. It won't quit. It won't quit. And I'm just going to tell you a real quick story here. I'm going to shorten it because we're almost out of time. But several years ago... um, and, and some of you know that I'm a policeman, and I had the opportunity uh, to command a crime room for many years. And when I first got to that crime room, um, one of the things that I inherited was a bunch of unsolved homicides, things that people that were murdered years and years ago that I had no knowledge of or wasn't involved in, and now I'm responsible for them. And it's like some of these things went back to the late 60s, early 70s, and I like to joke that if I'd have known that one day I would be responsible for them, that I would have asked my first grade teacher for the day off and go up and and supervise the scene then. So at least I'd have some idea what happened. Well, it was a little arrogant statement to make because I was like, well, if something comes in when I'm at the helm, it's going to get solved. Well, I remember one particular night I got a call that a man had just been beaten to death uh, with a baseball bat. And uh, they stole his car and ran over him. And so we got in there, we, we got up to the scene, and we started working. We're working, we're working, we're working. And nothing. We can't figure this out. We don't know what happened. We don't know who's involved. And I can remember the sun started to come up. And it's, it's uh, like six hours, we're into it. And the thought begins to hit me, I probably ought to be calling some first grade kid right now and have him come up because this is probably going to be unsolved. And he's going to get it someday. Well, we continued to work, and we continued to work, and finally a name came up. And this particular individual was from North Carolina, and I kept thinking throughout the course of the day, I ought to call North Carolina, see if they know him, ask them to go by the house, see what's going on, but I kept getting, I kept forgetting. And we just kept working, and everything that we tried to do failed. And I was getting so frustrated because I was the go-to guy, okay? And I couldn't get anything to go. And nothing worked. I remember about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I finally called North Carolina. And I said, hey, could you do me a favor? Can you just swing by this guy's house, see if he's there, see if you can talk to him, see if he can account for his time yesterday? And I remember the detective that I talked to down there, he knew that this was going nowhere. He knew that I knew that it was going nowhere. It's just, hey, we've got to put this in the report that we did it. So he says, yeah, I'm on my way home. I'll swing by. I'll stop by his house and see if he's there. Well, about half an hour later, he calls me up and he says, you're not going to believe this. He says, when I was pulling into this development, this guy was pulling out and he's driving your victim's car. And we're chasing him right now. And I'm like, 
No way! No way! And I, he said, I'll call you back! And he hung up the phone. And I ran into the patrol room to my detectives who were all sitting around like, oh, we can't figure this out. I'm like, this is what's happening. And they're like, forget it. We're, you're crazy. We don't believe you. And I'm like, it's happening right now. He calls me back like 10 minutes later. He's like, the guy crashed. He flipped your victim's car over. He's out on the bomb. He's confessing to your homicide. And the bat that he killed your victim is still in the car with your victim's blood all over it. Slam dunk. Okay? Half an hour before, at half an hour before, it was going nowhere. And you see, I want to tell you about your trials in life. They keep going, and they keep going, and they keep going, but ultimately, your Father in Heaven, after His, accomplished, after his purposes have been accomplished, after He has accomplished what He wants to do in your life and in the lives of everybody around you, He's going to speak the Word, and that trial's going to go. David knew it. He knew that the trials came from God, and he knew that God was the one that delivered. And in a moment... Jesus can change everything. And I want to leave you with this last verse. Romans 16, 20. This is an incredibly great and precious promise. Romans 16, 20 says this. The God of peace will soon, he will soon crush Satan under your feet. Yeah. Who said that? Is anybody else out there? The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Did anybody else hear that? You see, and this is how we're going to close. At the end of the game, God and Satan aren't going to give each other a high five and say, good game. All right. The Bible says that God is going to lay Satan out from neck to thigh with his foot on his neck and say, I beat you bad. I crushed your skull. That is who our God is. And He is powerful and He is mighty. And that is a difficult thing to imagine. But He loves you. And He didn't spare His own Son for you. And He came and He hung on a cross. And He took the rejection. He took the betrayal. And He died for you. And folks, that's the gospel on this Christmas season. That's what we're celebrating. Is that Jesus Christ came and he died on the cross for you. And we live in a society right now that gets all bent out of shape and they say it's intolerant that we say that Jesus Christ is the only way. Folks, listen to me for one more second. I promise I'm going to let you go. We need to stand in awe of a God who provides a way at all. When he hung on that cross, he crushed Satan's skull. Please, don't reject him. Don't reject his love for you. Don't reject the incredible power and peace that can be yours when you accept him as your personal savior. And if you're not sure how to do that, make sure you see me after this service. Or make sure you see somebody in here. Talk to somebody. Say, I got to know what that guy's talking about. Because the promise isn't mine, it's God's. Let's all stand and we'll end in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we humbly come before your presence and your majesty in all of you.
You are God and we are not. But we are your children. And you have rescued us from the pit of hell. And Lord, you are victorious and you never lose. And Lord, we come before you and we ask, protect us, Lord. Guide us. Give us wisdom. Give us peace. Give us comfort. Show us the way. And we give you all the praise and the honor and the glory. And we ask this in the magnificent name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. You are dismissed.